Thank you, team, so much for leading us this morning. And if you got your Bibles, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts. And uh, just an uh, encouraging reminder that as we open up the book of Acts and we walk through the book of Acts, that we are looking at a written family album as believers. That we are looking back and that we are seeing uh, God's grace uh, through the early church who will be, as we will read, uh, will be empowered and filled with the Spirit to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the ends of the earth. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening through the book of Acts. It's the gospel going out all over the world. And so uh, as we are continuing walking through this book, um, I love this passage that we're going to be jumping into because it's a very unique time and space in history like never before. So, so just as a refresher last week, as we were opening the book of Acts, that we were reminded that the resurrection of Jesus was visible, it was physical, it was, it was real, it was amazing, and it was incredible. It changed everything. And for 40 days, the Bible tells us in Acts, for 40 days, Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, walked alongside his disciples and he invested teaching into them about the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God, a helpful definition, is the rule and reign of God. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God. And so he's, he's investing in them and the disciples are walking alongside and, and Jesus Christ is the Messiah, and they're looking at Jesus, and they're like, okay, I know that you will establish your messianic kingdom rule and reign, and, and so when are you going to do that? Are you going to do that today? And, and a lot of times, I feel like the disciples were like me as a kid, when I'm like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? The disciples are to Jesus, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are you going to set up your rule and reign now? Are you going to do that today? Because today would be a great day for that to happen. And Jesus teaches us a very real and a very difficult, but a very helpful lesson that helps us in that. Jesus says, don't worry about the wind. Okay, that, that God has established the time when he is going to return again. He's established the time when he's going to set up his rule and reign forever and ever. He's like, I don't want you to worry about that. Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to focus on the when. I want you to focus on the what. I want you to focus on the mission. I want you to focus on the mission of loving God, loving people, making his love known in this world, taking the good news of Jesus to all the world, because here's what's going to happen. He says, in not many days from now, he tells them, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. Okay, in other words, you are going to be indwelt with the Spirit. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God dwelling in you. That's what's going to happen in not many days from now. And, and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8 tells us, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That I know you're so like locked in on when things are going to happen. Trust me with whatever it is you're waiting on. Trust me. Trust me. But I want you to focus on the what. And so here they are in our text. And they are gazing up. We left off them gazing up. Can you imagine? They're the Mount of Olives. They're, they're gazing up. And Christ is ascending up in toward heaven. And the clouds 
cover him up, gets lost in the clouds, and then the angels stand by and they're like, what are you looking at? <laughs> what do you think I'm looking at? Christ is ascending. And he's like, no, he's like, there's, 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 there's work to be done. Christ is going to return in the same way that he came. And so Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts. This is the second book he's written. That This is part of a two-volume story. The first part, volume one, is the Gospel of Luke. Dr. Luke wrote that. And then he also wrote the book of Acts. This is part two. And so at the end of his first work, here's the very last verse of Luke. Dr. Luke says this in Luke 24, 52. It's the last verse. And he has just shared that Christ ascended. And listen to what he says happened with these disciples. It says in Luke 24, 52. And they worshipped him and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple blessing God. These guys were absolutely fired up, I believe, and ready to roll. Ready to go. They have just spent 40 days with the resurrected Christ. He says, I have a mission for you. You're going to, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. And they are ready. But Jesus commands them, you're going to go, but not yet. Not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And so, I want you to wait. I want you to wait in Jerusalem. And so, we are entering, again, time and space that was so unique. Because here's what's happening in the lives of these disciples and what will be known as the apostles Christ has resurrected physically the Holy Spirit God the Spirit his presence is going to come going to baptize them fill them empower them for the mission but the Holy Spirit is coming in not many days from now and so here they are in about a 10-day window because Christ the resurrected Christ invested in their lives 40 days after the resurrection and the day of Pentecost, which is what we're going to get into next week, is going to happen on day 50. And so they're somewhere in between day 40 and day 50. And here they are, and they are hungry for God, and they're seeking God, and they're fired up, and they're ready to roll. And what we are going to learn today from this text, I believe, is so, so very helpful because we are going to learn from Scripture how to walk about discerning God's direction. So whether you're a student and you're processing what God's direction is for your life, or you're a young adult, or you're kind of a young married, or you're, you're kind of in the middle of it all, that median adult, or you're, you're retired, or you're, you're wherever you're at, we're, all, we're always making decisions. Google told me that we make 35,000 conscious decisions a day. Think about that. 35,000. So like even right now, you're deciding if you're going to believe that or not. What I just said. Like, like ice came the other day and, and I went out to get in my truck and it was completely like a piece of ice cube. And, 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 and I'm a native Mississippian. I know this kind of weather can happen, but I'm Moved here recently from Florida. I don't have an ice scraper. And so I'm staring at my ice block of a truck. And I'm like, how do I get in? Because <laughs> I don't have an ice scraper. And so I go in my garage and I decide what tool will I use to get in to my vehicle. And so what do I grab? A dustpan. <laughs> I grab a dustpan. And I pull it off the broom. And I just, I just start like, like chipping away. And so I finally get in. 
and I'm in my truck, and then I'm driving, and of course what happens? Your gas light comes on, like when you least need it to, right? And so the gas light comes on, and I'm like, well, I need to get gas. And so I pull in to get gas. I don't think anything of it. I walk around, and, and I can't get into my gas tank to get to open the thing. Like, I can't dig my fingers in there. And so I'm deciding, what am I going to do? And so I start digging through my truck, and I find a pair of pliers. And I, and I get the pliers, and I start wedging my gas cap open to get some gas. And so we make decisions all the time. Decisions that can have an incredible impact in our lives. I mean, not all decisions are created equal. Who you're going to marry and if you're going to eat a Pop-Tart for breakfast are two way different things. But we get decision making. We get decision making. My hunch is this. And, and, and this is true. Either, either you, you are you, you have made some big decisions, you are making some big decisions, or you will make big decisions. Like decisions are always a part of our life. And there are people in here, no doubt, they're wondering, is now the time, is this where I change jobs? Is this where I step away from a job? Is this the time where I pursue more school or I'm going to pursue some type of further education? Is this the right time to be able to do this right now? Relocating possibly. Perhaps you're you're considering whether you're walking through something if like you're should you should you get counseling you're you're deciding if this is something you should do or maybe it's a purchase with a home or a car or whatever that might be and you're trying to discern direction if you're a student you got some incredible teaching over this weekend about what it means to be made alive in Christ and how that practically plays itself out in your life and so there's this there's this like discerning okay like here's God what are you calling me to do we're we find ourselves always discerning what to do in big time decisions and so today we are going to learn by watching these early apostles what does it look like to discern God's direction in your life and whether you are a a a young believer or whether you have been walking for with Jesus for years and years and years maybe decades how do we discern God's direction for our lives? And we are going to learn in this text today. So one of the first truths that I would say is it all starts with a desire for prayerful obedience. So this is the starting place. And so maybe you're here and you're trying to discern God's direction for your life. What is the next step? God, what do you want me to do? Should I do this? Should I do that? What should I do? It all starts with resolving in your heart that before you even ask what God wants, you've already decided your answer is yes to what God is calling you to do. You say, where is that happening in the text? Because when we read the first passage that we're jumping into, the Bible says the disciples go to Jerusalem. In other words, they do exactly what they knew God wanted them to do. And so in Acts chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says this, so Christ has ascended. He had told them to go to Jerusalem. Not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Verse 12 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. They do exactly what they knew, already knew God wanted them to do. And so the Mount of Olivet, it's synonymous with the Mount of Olives. This is a, a, a mountain, a hill, uh, about 400 foot high to the east of Jerusalem. And on the back side of the Mount of Olives was a little town called Bethany. This is where Christ ascended 
uh, to heaven. The scriptures teach us that. And it says that, that they were going back to Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. And so, so in that culture, and even still today, Jews practice what's called the law of the Sabbath, which means you don't work on the Sabbath. And so you can not work on the Sabbath, but you can walk on the Sabbath. But you can only walk a certain amount because at a point your walking will become work. And so somewhere along the way, Jewish tradition says that they established a Sabbath day journey to be 2,000 cubits. Now who in the house, who uses cubits? Me either. Okay, I don't even know what that is. But, I, but we have Google, right? So we can look. But, 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 but a cubit, a cubit, 2,000 cubits is about two-thirds of a mile. And the way they came up with the Sabbath day's journey being two-thirds of a mile is because it is believed, tradition says, that in the Old Testament when the, the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness and they had the traveling temple, the tabernacle, that when they would set up camp, they would set up the tabernacle and they would encamp all around it. And it was believed that the furthest tent out was 2,000 cubits from temple. And so the furthest uh, tent out, the family to go to worship, would would take them about two-thirds of a mile. And so that's where they got that Sabbath day journey. This is as far as it should take for you to come to temple and to worship. And so they they are headed towards Jerusalem. And verse 13 says, And when they had entered... They went up to the upper room where they were staying. This is very likely, don't know for sure, very likely the same upper room that Jesus had his final supper with his disciples on the night of his betrayal. It's also probable that it's the very same upper room that on the the day of the crucifixion, on the evening of the crucifixion, the Bible talks about how the disciples gathered in the upper room and they were fearful. They were fearful because they saw what they did to Jesus and they thought they were going to be the ones next. And so it could also be, we're going to look in Acts 12 a little further down the road, but it could be Mary's house. Not Mary, the mother of Jesus, but Mary, John Mark's mom. The same guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Because it was at her house that the early church would gather for prayer. And so... So, so they've gathered in this upper room, verse 13. And the Bible says, And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Peter always is listed first with the disciples. Judas Iscariot is always listed last. You will see his name is not there. And his name is not there, and there's 11 guys. And he's not there because Judas committed suicide. Judas Judas took his life. Under the the guilt and the shame and the isolation, the enemy got the best of him. He took his life. And so you see 11 disciples, the remaining disciples. You see faithful, godly women, women of faith there. You see Mary, the mother of Jesus, is there. This is the last time in the New Testament that you see Mary, the mother of Jesus, mentioned. And that there are many that would revere Mary and and really set her apart. Uh, And we do honor her. 
but, but she's not to be venerated. She, she is unfinished, just like you and I. She struggled with sin and temptation, just like you and I. She wasn't perfect, just like you and I. Matter of fact, uh, at a time during the ministry of Jesus, Jesus was ministering, and, and, and a lady actually cried out to, for like a, a blessing on the womb of Mary uh, uh, in Luke eleven twenty seven and 28. He says this, as he said these things, Jesus, a woman in the crowd, raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nurse. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So Jesus is saying, listen, here's where the blessing is. The blessing is not in, 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 in the, the, the way God used you, okay? It's not in a... A womb, the blessing comes in knowing the word of God and walking in obedience to it. That's where the blessing is. But it's important not to miss the opening line. And that is this, when you are desiring, when we are desiring to discern God's direction for our lives, it begins with active obedience. They returned to Jerusalem. They did exactly what they did know God had told them to do. And so I, uh, I, uh, I love... Fishing, fishing is a lot of fun. Uh, any fishermen in the house? Fisher ladies, all right? We like to fish, all right? Tackle boxes, all right, are a very critical part of the whole thing. And so you open your tackle box, and most of the times you have compartments in your tackle box, and that is so it doesn't get in a big old mess. And so you got, you got one bait in this little compartment, and you got one bait in this compartment, one bait, one bait in this compartment, and the whole thing is you compartmentalize. And so what happens is this, we don't, we don't want this area to get mixed up with this area. And, 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 and what we can find ourselves doing is saying this, God, I want to know your direction. God, I want you to fill in the blank. God, I want to know in what way you're calling me to obey you and honor you with it in this area of my life. But don't mess with this area of my life. That we find ourselves not even praying about this area of our life because we know if we spend any time in prayer that God may call us to do something regarding this area of our life that maybe we know we're not honoring the Lord in. And so what we do is we compartmentalize. We compartmentalize. And, and what the disciples are teaching us here is a very important lesson. If we want to know and discern God's direction for our life, the starting point is that we're obedient to those areas of our life that we already know He's calling us to obey Him in. That we wouldn't compartmentalize. I, I'm excited. We're going to be celebrating baptism. Uh, uh, hopefully next week if everything works out. And, 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 and so we're going to have the opportunity to celebrate that. And, and so it could be even that like God has commanded you to be baptized as a believer. You've received Christ. But maybe you've never been baptized. And so baptism doesn't make you saved. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. Christ commands us to do that. And so if you are praying, God, I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient. And fill in the blank. Show me what to do here. When, when, when the scriptures say, if you're, if you're going to follow me, I want you to be baptized. And so when we're obedient in one area of our lives, we find it that we can be even Serving greater obedience in other areas of our lives. And so there's this starting point of God 
Whatever you show me, whatever you reveal to me, I want to live in active obedience. The second truth is this, is that they were informed by the Scriptures. Their thinking was informed by the Scriptures. Verse 15 says, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons, and all was about 120. So that upper room that we kind of have in our head, that we kind of feel is super small and, and intimate, there's 120 people in there. There's 120 and said, verse 16, Brothers, Peter says the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So what's happening here is, is, is Peter, this radically saved, radically transformed fisherman, has, has been saturating in the scriptures. The Old Testament Scriptures, all that point to Christ, He has been simmering on these Old Testament Scriptures that they would have had at this point. That He's processing all that Jesus said and did in their lives in those three years of earthly ministry. And then not only that, but they've been spending the last 40 days with the resurrected Christ and He is teaching them about the Kingdom of God. And so Peter is no doubt simmering on the Scripture. His heart and his mind are tethered to the Scripture. And as he's processing, he says this, Brothers, he stands up, Brothers, the Scripture must be fulfilled. It must be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Now he's about to quote some Old Testament Psalms here. That's where he's headed. But don't miss this. The Holy Spirit inspired and divinely authored Every verse of Scripture we have. We see that it was the Holy Spirit that inspired David. Like the, the Holy Spirit has been at work and always has been. The baptism empowering feeling of the Holy Spirit has yet to come. Not many days from now. But he's been simmering on these passages. And it's possible that Peter is reflecting back on a conversation where Jesus was teaching them. Because here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19.28. This is before the cross. He says this, Jesus said, truly, I say to you in the new world, when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne, messianic kingdom is coming. You who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Peter is saturated his heart with the word, saturated his mind with the word. The word is informing how he's processing and thinking about life. And he's doing the math. And he's like, there's 11 of us. Judas had taken his life. And so these scriptures are informing what Peter needs to do. It's informing his next steps. And then what he does is, is Peter goes on to quote several Psalms. One was Psalm 55, 12 through 15. The Bible says in verse 17, for he, talking about Judas, was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. Now, just a heads up, it's about to get graphic. It's about to get graphic. Verse 18, the Bible says, and he's quoting Old Testament Psalms. The Bible says this, now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out and it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language a keldamah, that is the field of blood. Now we also see Judas's suicide written and detailed out in Matthew's gospel. So I want to read that because 
for some, maybe you can say like, well, those don't really line up. Here's what, that's what Dr. Luke says. Here's what Matthew says in Matthew 27, 3 through 10. The Bible says that when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus, Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and he hanged himself. But the chief priest, taking the pieces of silver, said it is not lawful to put them into the treasury since it's blood money. And so they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. And then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah saying, and they took the 30 pieces of silver. This is prophecy being fulfilled. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him whom a price had been set by some of the sons of Israel, and they gave them for a potter's field as the Lord directed. This is not a contradiction. Judas goes to take his life and with gathering the accounts we have, the tree, the limb broke, the tree broke and his body fell headlong face first and his entrails are gushing out. And this is the tragic suicide of a disciple who had the most incredible opportunity that anybody could ever have and he rejected Christ Verse 20 goes on to quote Psalms, for it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. Psalm 69.25 and Psalm 109.8. But here is what I love about Peter, and this is where we can really learn, we can really be challenged, is that Peter is using all the compelling proof, and he's using the, strict, the, the Scriptures to reassure that Judas's betrayal and not only the betrayal, but this decision to now find a replacement for him were all a part of God's unfolding plan. But it came as he was saturated with the word. If we are discerning God's direction in any matter, it's vitally important that we find ourselves tethered to the word. Divinely authored, divinely inspired, profitable for every area of our life. That the word of God will guide us. The will of God is found in the word of God. Because we need to be guarded against saying this statement. I've said it. Maybe you have too. But it's the statement of, well, I feel like God is calling me to do this. Or I feel like God is calling me to do that. And so what we must ask ourselves is number one. If we are feeling like God is calling us to do this. Question number one. In our personal walk with the Lord, are we finding ourselves walking in active obedience to what He's already revealed to us to do? Second is that the disciples are gathered up in that upper room and they're praying in community and unity. They are praying to the Father. Are we, are we spending time in communion with the Father in prayer? Are we, are we spending time, not in a legalistic way, hear me, like uh, grace abounds, okay? But have we find ourselves tethered to the word of God? That all scripture is divinely authored, inspired, profitable, every area of our life. Are we, are, we, are we praying? Are we walking in obedience? Are we tethered to the word? And then 
I feel. Because what can happen is those areas aren't happening in our lives and we say, I feel like God is calling me to do this. It could be something you ate earlier. It could be like a bad uh, circumstance that changed your attitude about something or, or you're, you're upset or you're happy or like there's all these feelings that are, that are swirling around. But the question is this is, are you walking in obedience to the Lord by His grace and through His power? Are you spending time in prayer with the Father, communing in Him? Are you tethered to the Word of God? Because God does use circumstances and He uses people. We need good, godly counsel and wisdom. Yes, we need that. But He primarily speaks to us through His Word. And so this is why our hope is that, is, that, is that everybody's a part of three groups. Okay, You're part of the worship gathering, which we made it, right? And, and everybody listening online, we're here, we're here. We love to see people get connected in fellowship and community because that's what God's made us to be. And so there are opportunities for that. Sunday school is a way to do that, get connected in that fellowship and community. And then there's another step that we've introduced this year that we call D-groups, but but, but here's the deal with D groups. One of, the, one of the habits of the D group is you have a reading of Scripture, but then you do what's called a hear journal. Because it could be that you're here and you're, you're like, I want to hear from God. How do I hear from God? I want to hear the voice of God. Well, God has gifted us with the Scripture. And so we read the Scripture and we write down here. We begin by saying, okay, Holy Spirit. And what, where in the Scripture does, does, what verse highlights off that page? What lifts up off that page that God uses to speak to your heart? And then not only that, the E of here is that you explain. So you're detailing what's going on. So you're reading it almost like a reporter. You're doing the who, what, when, where, why. And you're gathering the context of what's going on. And then once you've kind of read and you're processing what's going on, then A is apply, which answers the question, so what? So what? I've read this. So what? So what? And so... So we answer that by God's grace. And how are our lives going to be different because we've engaged with His Word? And then ours simply respond. And we write, a, whether it's a sentence, a prayer, an action point, or whatever it is. But we respond. But we hear from God. We want to hear from the Lord. And so as we discern God's direction, as we're pursuing God's will, God's way begins with active prayerful obedience. It continues through being tethered by the word of God. And then a third thought is that it, then it's taking wise action. It's taking wise action. What is the wise thing to do? Based on all these things that are happening. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. Which, by the way, I'll just say is one of the most chilling verses in the Bible. Look at that. Judas has turned aside to go his own way. His own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Peter lays out an act of obedience in prayer. Tethered 
to the Word, the two qualifications for an apostle. So we don't have apostles today. You say, why? Because the Scripture lays out the qualifications. I think in a lot of ways we see like the function of an apostle, but, but, but by Scripture, the, the, the qualifications for an apostle are, number one, that they saw and were a part of the ministry of Jesus since His baptism. Alright, so that kind of knocks us out <laughs> of the, the game there. Alright, but, but you had to see Christ baptized, be a part of His ministry, and also see the resurrected Jesus. These are the qualifications for apostleship. And so these guys, when it came down, another must take his office. This is Scripture fulfilled. Peter's leading them out. And, and so they're looking around and they're not just saying, uh, you're it. Okay, are you cool with being the 12th apostle? Okay, he's in, all right? He's in, he's totally there. And so it wasn't like this, like, uh, I think about you, or how about you? Will you do it? No, they, they had qualifications informed by Scripture, and they're, they're like, okay, there's two guys. There's two guys. There's Justice, there's Matthias. And so they weren't just like random, like, oh, like, let's throw something against the wall and see what sticks. They were like, here's two that meet the qualifications. And then they take wise action. For them... They take what's called casting lots, which I don't recommend doing today. Right? It's basically like choosing straws or rolling dice. But as priests, when they would discern or seek to discern the will of God, they had a thing called Urim and Thummim. And these were like stones, and they would cast these stones or cast lots, and they would use these stones to reveal God's will, God's decision. But don't like, 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 let's not give them too hard a time because I believe they, they walked through a process, right? They walked that process up to that point. And Proverbs 16.33 says the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so they trusted the sovereignty of God. They trusted Him, but they walked through the process. And so they took wise, discerning steps. And here's, here's the thing, like I said, don't, don't get some dice or chew some straws on a big major decision right now. Why? Because here's why. This is the last time in the New Testament that we see anybody casting lots. It's the last time. Remember the unique time and space we're in? The Christ is physically ascended. They're going to be baptized with the Spirit in not many days from now. And so they are in this window of seeking and longing for the Father's presence to lead them and guide them. But we don't have to cast lots. Why? Because the New Testament teaches us that God in His grace has poured out His Spirit on us as believers. And that as believers, He has gifted us His presence in the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are baptized in the Spirit. That God gives all of Himself to us. There aren't waves of this. He gives all of Himself to us. And in that, we are filled with His Spirit. We are empowered by His Spirit to be a witness for Him. But the Holy Spirit is for us what we could never be on our own. That the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That if you're like me, you need wisdom. I need wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask of God and He will give it to you generously. And he applies his grace and his truth through the power of his spirit. And so, if we find ourselves, if we find ourselves living in active obedience to what God, we know God has already shown us by his grace. 
if we find ourselves communing with the Father in prayer, if we find ourselves being tethered in the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to, to, to instruct and guide our thinking and our lives, that if we are walking through this, God, as believers, has gifted us with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You walk through that, wherever God lands you and you have peace, go for it. <laughs> Just go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Every decision, these guys got it. God's plan continues to unfold and His mission continues to move forward. One of the distinctions about this decision, discerning, God's direction process is that these guys understood decisions impact our lives and not only our lives, but the lives of others. That this decision wasn't just going to be a decision that impacts me. It's going to be an impact that changes the world and impacts the world. That there's a ripple effect to our decisions. And I think by God's grace that the more that we can see important decisions, whatever they may be, as being a part of God's grander, greater plan for us to impact this world for the kingdom, it changes everything. Because for you and for me as believers, we have a unique contribution to make to the kingdom. God can do it without us, but He allows us to be a part. That we have a unique contribution that we have a unique role to this unfolding story of redemption and the mission continues. The mission continues. The mission continues. As we learned with the D-Now with Jason Cook brought a strong word every night. But last night he landed in Ephesians 2.10 which says we are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece. That we are created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared in advance for us to walk in. And so by His grace we follow Him. We follow Him. And so believer as you're making decisions. May we, may we glean insights from the apostles. And how they sought the Lord. And how it wasn't just haphazard. But it was very intentional and focused. And then not only that. I would just encourage us. And I, and I kind of I misspoke a little bit initially. Where I said it all begins with active obedience. Uh, prayerful obedience, but really it all starts with a relationship. That, that apart from a relationship with the Father, that we will lack the Holy Spirit's power and work in our lives to discern the direction that He has for our lives. And so if we would just all even be encouraged today that if you're here and you don't have a relationship with King Jesus... That He extends that invitation to you. It's the most important decision that a person could ever make. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whosoever believes in Him would not perish. But have everlasting life. For you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. To do good works which He prepared in advance that you would walk in. That He does not leave you to be stranded in your sin. And as Jason Cook said in the illustration. Dead in our sin and trespasses. In the bottom of the ocean. With absolute zero hope. Christ made a way. And went to the depths. To rescue and save us. By his grace. And his mercy. And his kindness that has no end. This is God's love for you. 
that He lived a perfect, sinless life. That He was crucified on a cross for our sins. That He was resurrected from the dead, giving victory over death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a promise. And so it could be today that it's not so much discerning direction as it is beginning a relationship with God. And that through that relationship, God guides us through prayer and obedience and being tethered to the Word and in wisdom, honoring Him with those decisions. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for the book of Acts. Thank You that as we look at this story, this is our story. This is the story of the early church. And God, at a very unique time and space, God, these disciples, soon to be apostles, sent ones, God, they're gathering, and God, they are needing your help. They are needing divine discernment for what you're designed to do in their lives. And I have a hunch that there are folks in the room and folks listening in online that are praying and seeking and discerning your direction in their life. And so, Father, I pray that in your grace and your care and your love, God, you will be faithful. That's who you are. That's your character. You're faithful to give wisdom, to give guidance. If we live an act of obedience, maybe there's an area of obedience. Our life is like that tackle box. We've got it all separated. But it's time to lift up all the, the separators and just say, God, take all of me. And just walk in obedience, prayer, tethered to the word. and Wisdom with your help, the helper. And trust you and go for it. And go, and go. And God, I also pray for anyone who may be here and does not have a relationship with you. That today, today the gospel has come to them. Maybe, maybe for the hundredth time maybe for the third time but God that you desire a relationship with them so God I pray that you'll work and you'll move in our midst in Jesus name amen amen we're going to stand I'll invite you to stand with me and I mentioned Dean now a few times such good teaching wasn't it students like Jason Cook such a he gave such a great word and one of the awesome things that he did every time he got done preaching was he would say this. He would say, anytime we open the Word, that it demands a response. That every time we put ourselves in the path of God's divinely inspired authored Word, there's a, there's a response for us. Now that can look all kinds of different ways. I'm not trying to paint a picture of what that is. But here's just what I want us to be encouraged of. This is a time to respond. And maybe it's responding right where you're at. Maybe it's responding by coming to pray at the altar. There'll be pastors here. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I just need somebody to pray over me. We want to pray over you. We love you. We want to pray. We want to encourage you. So, so whatever that is in this little time that we have before we wrap up, let's give ourselves to the Lord.